Five long years he wore this watch. It's a chopper, baby. Up his ass. Oh, man, I shot Marvin in the face. Why the fuck Check you... out the big brain on Brad. What does Marcellus Wallace look like? Hello, podcast listeners and YouTube watchers. Welcome to Cocktail Cinema, your favorite movie review podcast. I am your first favorite bartender, your third favorite author, Josh Price. And as always, I am joined by Greg and Shasti. What's up, boys? Hey, What's hey. Today we are going to be reviewing 1994's Pulp Fiction. This will be the final episode in our Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino summer of love. (laughs) (laughs) And if love means, you know, massive violence and lots of swearing, you know? So for this project of massive violence and lots of swearing, we had a budget of $8 million. Mm. And it was a massive success at the box office, pulling back in almost $214 million for Miramax Films. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, huge hit. Wow. Huge wow. hit. $8 million to $200 million Yeah. And box office. Yeah, this is a certified fresh success, my friend. Third film. Yeah, this is a... Well, technically, this is his his second directorial film and his third writing credit. Well... So, yeah. Um, but, you know, Quentin Tarantino does not work in a vacuum. He's always got a great team around him and in front of the camera. Who did he have in front of the camera for this one, buddy? Um, we have uh, Mr. Tim Roth, Tim Roth again as uh, mm-hmm. Pumpkin and Amanda Palm- Plummer as Honey Bunny. John Travolta, probably big money bags there, <laughs> yeah. as Vincent Vega. Samuel L. Jackson as Jules. Bruce Willis, Butch. Bing Rames as Marcellus Wallace. Roseanne Arquette as Jody. Eric Stoltz, Lance. Uma Thurman as Mia Wallace, Steve Buscemi and Christopher Walken make some cameo stuff mm-hmm. that's very interesting to talk about later. Um, Kathy Griffin, Peter Green as Zed, Harvey Keitel again makes yeah his presence known as the Wolf, Mr. Wolf. Well, he's he's part of the stable now, part yep. of the Quentin Tarantino yeah. stable. He's we've talked about it before, and we're going to talk about it a lot more. Well, I mean, like like the Cohen brothers, he likes to work with a lot of the same people yeah. because they know they they just flow together, mm-hmm. and the people that he doesn't flow with don't show up again. And the expectations are set. You know what flows really well is this cocktail. What is this? <laughs> what is this? Thing? So, for those of you who don't know, Cocktail Cinema is a show where we drink as well. So today, our adult beverage is the five dollar milkshake. <laughs> Does it got any bourbon in I it? I need to know what a five dollar milkshake tastes like. <laughs> so no bourbon. I had to avoid the bourbon. Are there cooties? Though? Are there cooties? There's lots of cooties. There's lots of cooties. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we've got an, an ounce of an ounce of vanilla vodka. We have half an ounce of that dark rum cream that we were talking about a few weeks back. Half an ounce of Godiva mocha, and two to three scoops of ice cream. Throw that bad boy in the blender. Go to town. I also added a little bit of ice just to give it a little bit of body because it. It can thin out. It's a cream drink, but uh, holy smokes, that's a five dollar. That's a five dollar. That's a goddamn good sure. Wow, I I am I am the king of mm. girly drinks, and ain't no shame in it. Sweet drinks will get you there just as well as a, a glass of scotch, <laughs> and they're enjoyable. Girls don't like scotch. That's why I was telling myself. Well, and if you're a fa- <laughs> if you're a fan of of uh, kids in the hall, you'll 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 get the, the mm. girl drunk reference, but. That's nice, Josh. All that said, we've wet our whistles. Let's talk Pulp Fiction. So, like Greg said, this is the the second directorial credit for Quentin Tarantino. And, again, hot out of the gate here. He's doing a fantastic job. Mm, man. With a much bigger 
bigger set piece here. He's he's in a lot more locations than he was yeah. uh, for for Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. Given the space to grow a little bit on mm-hmm. this one. Um, he loves, loves to start out with like that tone setter mm-hmm. that Tim Roth, um, Amanda Plummer scene. Mm-hmm. You know him as Pumpkin and Honey Bunny. Um, wow. Yeah. Right out of the gate. And then, then they're never touched again. So well, they 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 do come back. So this Shasi made a really good point off mic earlier that this this movie is kind of bookended twice. So the very first uh, audio sample you hear is Zed's motorcycle, right? So during the credits, the opening credits, you hear that motorcycle, and then at the end of the movie, you've got them mm-hmm. driving off on Zed's motorcycle. The scene or the scene before all of that is the diner scene in both cases. Yeah. And then before that, you're following the story arc for uh, Vincent Vega and Jules. So it's 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 chronologically out of order, but George Lucas probably had a wonderful day when he saw this because it all rhymes. <laughs> well I think it's I think it's not even that. I think it's just his universe that he's creating on mm-hmm. a subconscious level almost where he puts that same it's like the famous Zed's yeah. Dead baby and pulls mm-hmm. pulls off like once you see this movie twice, mm-hmm. you hear that as the opening, like right before this scene, you you hear that sample, mm-hmm. the same motorcycle sample, yeah, just at a really quiet volume. And it, to me, it's just his, Quinn creating his universe. Like Zed, Zed is on, Zed's on, on yeah. duty. He's a yeah. cop. He's yeah. he's on his shift, or he's going mm-hmm. to Spiders Pawn Shop. Yeah, he's finding a new gimp or or whatever it may be. But it's kind of like one of those open ending things that you see throughout this, mm-hmm. just like, much like the briefcase, an open ending thing throughout the entire movie that mm-hmm. is left for people like us to have fun Absolutely. and talk about. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So and much. It stuff. also ties into the idea of Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. So there's two definitions you can follow here. The first is that uh, pulp novels were were either like crazy sci-fi or they were schmutty or it was something that wouldn't make a big press. So they printed it on pulp paper, which is like extra. Mm-hmm. It, it's 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 like getting shake. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's the extra stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the other thing is like pulp characters. Yeah. Are the side characters in any movie? They're the they're the the henchmen or the the people in the background, and he wanted to make a movie that combined both of those definitions. Where he's like, I want to make something that wouldn't go to a major press. That's why it went to Miramax instead of like MGM, mm, right. you know. And he also wanted to make something about those characters that are always on the fringe. Yeah. So the fact that we know from that motor motorcycle sound effect. That Zed is out there. He's still functioning. He's still living his life. We just haven't met him yet. And, and to add to that pulp effect, I, mm-hmm. I character-wise, I feel like you're scraping the bellies of them all. You know, they're you're getting that pull from every one of them, mm-hmm. just like Tarantino's known for. Oh, absolutely. It, it's it's character bleed. Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting the pull from every character. So so much play on words mm-hmm. come into this film. Yeah, there's oh, even like you're saying the whatever characters left over to tell the story for the mm-hmm. next movie. Like that's told mm-hmm. a couple times in this, even where Jules, when he quits and he mm-hmm. wants to be like a nomad, a drifter, yeah. Yeah. like in Kill Bill volume two, mm-hmm. the church scene, he's playing the piano as Rufus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As a drifter, like a name changed mm-hmm. guy who's just like being a musician and changed life. Well, and, and Tarantino always has that character and it's a lot of it goes back to, so 
it's no secret that Quentin Tarantino is a big student of film, mm-hmm. and he's a big fan of Kurosawa. Kurosawa is possibly the best known Japanese director. He's like the Seven Samurai guy. Yeah. So a big theme in Kurosawa movies, and and by extension the westerns that were based on his movies, yeah. is the idea of the Ronin, or in American cinema, the Shane. So he's always got that drifter who's got to atone for their sins. And that's absolutely Jules in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like Jules, well, in the next movie. In this movie, we see the sins of of the father. And then in the next, if there were another movie, you would see him being that Ronin character. Floating from town to town and cleaning things up to atone for his sins. And it it goes into play the way his writing style and his process goes, Mm -hmm. goes down on paper or on film. He's not just dealing with two people. He's not right. just dealing with four people. They all intertwine. Like we've, we've talked about this time and time again about Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Um, you just catch that shit from him. You know, you, you have to expect the unexpected mm-hmm. and expect it all to come back. Well, and it's it's interesting that he went with ensemble films for his first two. Because you would think for your first two movies... Like you want to, you want to nail this. You want to hit it out of the park. You're going to keep the cast and the scripts tight as hell. But here, like for for the first two movies, for Reservoir Dogs and then Pulp Fiction, he's got a large cast, mm. and they may not all be main characters, but even his side characters have significant amounts yeah. of screen time. And to keep that all straight and to get it right, very rare. is is rare yeah. and incredibly commendable for his sophomore attempt. Yeah, and um. To, to add on to what we were both talking about, this movie we, we pre-show we talked about this, and this is the uh, the Butch show, mm-hmm. right? Would we yeah, all? Yeah, I mean, you make an argument agree? for that, or yeah. Marcellus, yeah, or it's, that Vincent and Jules. Wall. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I mean, especially with Reservoir Dogs, like Vic Vega, mm-hmm. you know how he dies, and Vincent, you know what I mm-hmm. mean, and mm-hmm. how Tarantino said he wanted one of his ten films he wanted to do the the Vega, yeah, the Vega brothers, brothers, yeah, but it's. Yeah. At that point, you know what I mean. Like, well, they're too old. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. couldn't. They couldn't do a a, a prequel. Yeah, you know, and, and look, he could. It would just. It would. They have would look to be old. a comedy, <laughs> like on 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 par with Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah, <laughs> that would. But be you can make an I argument. Watch it. You're right, though. You make an argument of those guys. I I say Butch is just because in chronological order, you know, you have the 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 diner scene starting it off, but mm-hmm. really the first scene is when Butch is given the watch by. Yeah. Colonel for Walker. Yeah, Christopher yeah. Walker. That's tone, yeah. Well, it's it's like one of those art pieces that's perspective based. So if you stand on this side of the movie, it's about Marcellus Wallace. Mm-hmm. And if you take a few steps over, it's about Butch. And if you go to the other side, it's about Jules and his personal journey. But I think the only way to A either we, we said you don't have to tell the story literally, right? Mm-hmm. Like every story is a beginning, middle, and end. You don't have to tell it in that order. It's mm-hmm. really hard, even for us, just to bounce around ideas and have mm-hmm. that make sense. And it it's hard to make it balanced at all. Yeah. But also being able to bring in all these character like mm-hmm. storylines together. And that's where where Q makes his living. Yeah, like, I'm yeah. saying it's it's an unbelievable. Like Reservoir Dogs doesn't they 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 go back in time and tell some stories about what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. But it's really like the amount of balance that takes place in this movie yeah. to me makes it next level for any, yeah. any movie maker to to try to do something like that. Yeah. Well, and if you compare it to another movie that has kind of that non-linear storytelling, like um, Memento. Memento is really hard to follow. You have to watch it multiple times. You can watch Pulp Fiction once and know exactly what happened. And 
it comes down to the details and the cool little things that you watch back for I the might, second time. I might disagree with you on yeah. that point, um, just because I don't think that this is a movie that you can watch one time and understand. I mean, I saw that's not was... that's not that's not what I said. Okay, no, 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 no. I'm sorry, I you misinterpreted. Can, you can, so, so uh, I'm glad you I'm glad you said that because I may have I may have misspoke. So Memento or Donnie Darko, you have to watch at least twice just to know the plot. At least Pulp Fiction, you can watch front to back once and know the plot. The plot, yes, but to, to me seeing to this realize... movie for the first time, I was like 11. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I didn't to understand realize... that. Oh. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm, no, no, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm feeling very. I didn't very expect strange. this to be contentious. This is interesting. Well, I, I, I think it's a downplay on his his like genius in this film. I think that he he separates on two to three to four storylines all the way through. Jules, mm-hmm. um, I'm sorry, Jules and uh, uh, Vince. Mm-hmm. Um, one storyline. Um, Honey Bunny and uh, Pumpkin. Mm-hmm. Another storyline. Um, the combination between. Bruce Willis and 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 uh, um, uh, I'm sorry, Fabian. Mm-hmm. Um, another storyline. Uh, there's like five, and they're all one to two character. They're two character lines. Mm-hmm. There's two leads there's, to every story. There's four yeah. to five storylines going on in this between two people, and the only one that le- le- kind of leaks over is the Mia, the Mia Wallace. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, that's the only one that bleeds over into the two, and there's a huge problem with that you know because now and it's funny that they bring it up during the movie they say it's lines get skewed who'd you hear from them mm-hmm. oh they, they they have a lot yeah, to say they, they have a lot to say and they call that out it's like that's why i think this movie is so genius is because they 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 rely on these four to five storylines that are all going the same way mm-hmm. but they bleed into a, another only mm-hmm. on a few aspects just like bruce willis and marcus mm-hmm. wallace and well, that's the and genius. Like, using I mean, they, they, to me, they all bleed together. And that's where I was at initially on your side and against what you were saying. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I saw this movie when I was 11 when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Didn't A put together like the chronological order or even mm-hmm. know movies were made like this, mm-hmm. let alone like yeah. realize that, you know, the, the, the timing after the diner scene mm-hmm. and right, the second right. diner scene, that's them still returning yeah. The briefcase back to Marcellus right. Wallace yeah. after Marvin shot. That's still first yeah. half of the movie, even though you're in the in the second half. Mm-hmm. And um, that's perfect. I mean, well, with, he with the, he the, does the, a really good job. Over the gold watch and the and the timing. No, I was gonna say that when they're when when Butch and uh, Vic meet each other, mm-hmm. and Vic calls him Palooka. Yeah, and calls uh, him punchy, yeah. and is pretty much calling him a punching bag, and goes and mm. hugs Marcellus, yeah, and yeah, Butch I, leaves. I really can't. The next scene in. is is Vince going to pick up the dope mm-hmm. from Lance yeah, and saying uh, that somebody keyed his car. Yeah, Tarantino acknowledged like all these fan theories aside, he, it was he acknowledged that it was Butch. Yeah, King is King mm-hmm. the Malibu. Mm-hmm. Like, I believe that's how yeah. intertwined the stories are. I don't mm-hmm. think it is just Mia is the only bleed over because there's Marcella. There's mm-hmm. literally Butch Butch keying. Vic, Vic's car is mm-hmm. Malibu when he's going to meet up I with Marcellus. Marcellus and Jules. Marcellus calls Wolf to help Jules in the whole yeah. cavalry. Mm-hmm. Marcellus awesome. and Butch are left together at the end, tied, much like Butch's dad was as a prisoner mm-hmm. of war with Christopher Walken. Yeah, that's, a, that's what I think and, the whole beginning and end tied together right there. Yeah. Like, and we were kind of 
given the end. Well, away all of all of the favorite. wires cross in this movie, so yeah. don't be afraid to let wires cross in the right, conversation. Right. And that's the whole thing. That's like, yeah, it's still like the chronological order mm-hmm. is. It gives you that. Right. See, I watched I watched this movie for the first time when I was maybe thirteen or fourteen, and I think what helped me keep it together was knowing seeing the costume changes. Oh, they're they look like the dorks. This is this goes along with that part of the mm-hmm. movie. They're wearing suits. This yeah. goes with that part of the movie. He's what he's. He's wearing like a butch is wearing a white shirt for this. This goes with that. He's wearing his coat. It goes with that. And so the the costumes and I think the color scheme in general indicates where in time you are, even though this is not linearly distributed. Okay. And I remember going to uh, sorry to bring it back to my youth, but when I was eight years old, I think mm-hmm. when this movie came out and Blockbuster was still a thing and the walls mm-hmm. were riddled with like Pulp Fiction and it was like big deal i thought it was like a adult movie porn yeah like because you got uma thurman like on a bed with her legs crossed in the back and like, mm-hmm. you know it, that's what it came across as i was like it was like a big no-no don't look at that kind of thing mm-hmm. i was like eight that is the that is like it does kind of almost have a well i guess that goes back to the pulp the pulp yeah exactly. yeah 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 it's almost uh it's 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 uh risque yeah you know I, I just remember seeing that and be like oh, i i know i can't watch that i don't mm-hmm. want my mom to see me looking at that you know i'm trying to rent like major pain Right. <laughs> yeah. No. It, it's and that that is probably. I mean, it the had that effect line. on me when I was a kid. So like, <laughs> this is why, I like, just watching a late night. You know, I, well, I like, mean, oh, this is why people told me not to watch. There's some there's some serious scenes in this movie for sure that are like you don't want a kid to see, like the mm-hmm. uh, the adrenaline shot to the yeah. heart, mm-hmm. you which know, that's we a, should make a mention of. That was it was shot in reverse, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He pulled the needle out because he couldn't smash her chest hard enough. So they just well, it was yeah, it was a risk. I mean, it is a collapsible needle, but if that Still. spring gets stuck, she's getting stabbed. Yeah, or exactly. Even being punched in the chest at that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, and it's one of the few times where Quentin didn't do the close up, uh, the close up stunt himself. Like, there's, I think it's Kill Bill. Yeah, where he chokes Uma Thurman, mm-hmm. like until she blacked out, and he's like, "No, it has to be me." Like, I. I think part of him just got off on it, and the other part of him was like, this is the only... I'm the only person the insurance will pay for <laughs> well, if I for, accidentally right, kill Uma yeah. Thurman. For, for this one, much like we said with Reservoir Dogs, how he was going to be Mr. Pink, until mm-hmm. he told Steve Buscemi, like, you're going to have to give me a performance good enough to wrangle this role for me because I'm such an egotistical. <laughs> Early in my career, I need to be the only guy who gets... Regardless, he was going to play Lance. Yeah. And if you if if you rewatch this movie and close your eyes, any point during the time John Travolta's yeah. at Lance's house... Mm-hmm. It's Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Okay. Another uh, iconic scene in this one, I thought, and right before this one, was the dancing scene. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, the big dance. Well, everybody wants to dance like Uma Thurman. <laughs> it's, I mean, it. it's such an iconic moment that Fall Out Boy literally wrote a song about it. <laughs> Fall Out Boy did it. So that scene where Uma Thurman and John Travolta are dancing, you know, right. he, he, she drags him to the restaurant, um, you know, because he's like aged out still. This ridiculously um, themed she, restaurant. Yeah. And she's like, she's doing cocaine. He's doing heroin. It's like mm-hmm. total opposite and equal kind of thing. And we got ourselves a, a, a $5, $5 shake. Mm. <laughs> um, but she that said, is I, a tasty beverage. <laughs> I want that trophy, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so yeah. the dance contest, and then they cut, and the dance scene is—it's based on something. It's based what? on Band Apart. That's what it is. Mm. Yes, yeah. And eight and a half 
Mm-hmm. Like just the stylizing. Oh, and for sure, right? yeah. And then you know the dancing. They said and the framing. Batman even. and yeah. Catwoman essentially, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, a lot of similarities, a lot of throwbacks. I mean. It, this is this does. is a this is a call out heavy film. Very, very, especially very. the Mia Vincent storyline. Yeah, and for Tarantino to to throw back to anybody because he's so inside himself, he's such an egomaniac. But he's got his fucking heroes, and he mm-hmm. puts that. Well, I think I think he calls back on his heroes a lot because I mean he didn't go to film school, but he worked. He it, it's it's <laughs> essentially he's the good ending to be kind rewind. <laughs> Instead of having to like re- make what shitty movies because he accidentally deleted them all, he went on rough. to make great movies yeah. because he worked in a movie store in a, in a video <laughs> store. Which, for those of you young enough not to know what Blockbuster was, you're lucky. <laughs> but Blockbuster was amazing. Yeah. You should be able Friday to go, pack, you be able go rent a whole PlayStation. And shit. <laughs> right, right, right. You'd get it. What was it? It was three uh, week long movie rentals and three day game rentals. Sometimes they always switched it up. And they yeah, tried to get yeah it depends. New releases were anyway. only one day. Anyway, so that's where that's where Quentin got his start. Was was kind of you know becoming a film buff, the same way we have, mm-hmm. just watching a lot yeah. of movies. And you can tell because he calls back these classic movies and these classic directors in every project that he does. You go back to uh, to even, and I, I know I'm getting off topic for this one, but you go back to Death Proof, and he's calling out Steven Spielberg's like first film. Mm-hmm. I think it's called Drive or Driver, but it's about a. I talked about that in the in the episode. He's, he's talking about a truck driver who's killing people, or he's hunting somebody down. In this movie, he's going back to classics like Band Apart, and just. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? Did you catch that? And there's there's so many that you have to watch this movie multiple times. Mm-hmm. Yes, like I said, you can get the plot one run through, but right. it's all this stuff that you need to rewatch for. Yeah, and I think it's important to watch them separately. Almost, it's like because it's there's so much going on in between every interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, they're movies within movies. It's it's we're in the goddamn Inception here. Yeah, <laughs> well, and and you almost know, but, literally a movie inside a movie. And he's trying to call back time and place and this that and the other and it's it's one of those things like everything's happening happening at one time mm-hmm. boom like a snapshot this is life yeah the whole everybody else's life like boom. the whole promise outside of marcellus's briefcase is the watch too yeah yeah you know i mean after the story when when butch gets the watch you know he f- flashes forward to the fight it's mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. you know yeah. there's constant there's constant um callbacks to just like clocks mm-hmm. in the pawn shop mm-hmm. like yep. there's Eight of them, right yeah. around where where Butch has Marcellus on the ground before mm-hmm. you know the mm-hmm. infamous ending scene. But well, and and even like you were pointing out off mic, like the lining up, even the the lyrics of a song that's playing with what's going oh, yeah. on on screen. Yeah, you know, re- referencing. I think you said it was Psycho yeah, when yeah. he comes across Marcellus Wallace at the stop sign. I forget what song and he's playing, then, but yeah, Tarantino does that for. He for links all up the lyrics. lyrics. It's the same with we talked about Steelers Wheel playing for mm-hmm. for the cop yep. torture scene for Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, you know what I mean. And him picking if that if he couldn't get clearance for that, him picking Ballroom Blitz mm-hmm. and us us kind of guessing what line he would mm-hmm. use because he's so meticulous. So, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's so is it, is it he appreciates all arts. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's always he really does, you know? and it's it's why he's he's kind of a a, a gunslinger auteur. He's not a real auteur like. He's not weird like Nolan is. Right, right. But he's, he's got is, that, like, yeah. devil-may-care personality mm-hmm. that makes him just likable enough to want to yeah. work with. 
Like, yeah, he's problematic, and he, you know, could probably cut back on the N-word once or twice. Yeah. But 162 times in, in Django. <laughs> I think it's 162 Something times like in that. Django. But, yeah. In this movie alone, he says it like eight times. Yeah. Personally. Well, they say fuck 200. We're past five. Yeah. yeah. Like 200 and like 60-some times in this one. Yeah. Rest of our dog was like five less. Mm-hmm. Like, they were both neck and neck. Right there. And that's just like that part well, of the dialogue. Fair. Samuel L. Jackson is in this movie. So you have to that add another mo- you, like you 30 have to years. say that motherfucker is in this movie. <laughs> and it's dope that the bad motherfucker wallet mm-hmm. was Tarantino's wallet. Yeah. The game before that. And it's yeah. also dope that like right. eight years later, Samuel Jackson, because that's a shaft reference, obviously, mm-hmm. bad motherfucker. He got the role for shaft too. Yeah. 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 Like oh, yeah. He, he became shaft. <laughs> yes, from that, he did. From, from yes, his he wallet. did. <laughs> no, it's, it's, he's good at putting people where they belong. You know, in the you know? ending for each one of these storylines that I was talking about earlier, they all had their own ending, mm-hmm. which I thought was unique. Usually it's kind of a one big closure, lick the envelope and done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he actually had endings for each one of these things, which it's hard to do when you mm-hmm. when you capture so many storylines. Everybody has either mm-hmm. big closure negative or big closure positive. And yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, Actually, and yeah. to not wrap it all up at once. Yeah, to yeah. have Jules disappear after... Yeah after the the diner scene and you know what happened Mm -hmm. because it leads into marcellus wallace going out for coffee and donuts into the next scene right right in the next storyline exactly but closing everybody out one by one you close out jules then you close out vince then you close out the butch story arc that's but you never disclose what's in the briefcase and that's that's what you once you start watching this movie two or three times like greg's saying you start tying all these things together and like i put together the chronological order Mm -hmm. it's still like yeah he he, like you're right there's a close case all the stories except the briefcase yeah and that's the one where tarantino's like like what what i said about uh butch king vic's car Mm -hmm. you know what i mean that was disclosed by like that's a a rare thing for like Mm -hmm. a writer to kind of disclose like that that's not portrayed in the movie because they want to leave the mystery but but the briefcase editing floor yeah but the briefcase he says like yeah there's there's nothing you know what i mean it's like a guy richie thing he's like no it's it's for it's for everybody to sit down Mm -hmm. and continue the story for yeah i i I heard him say once that the only thing in the in the briefcase is a piece of paper that says MacGuffin. MacGuffin. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's like the the mechanic. Yeah, oh, it's called the here. Let's look it up. It's called the MacGuffin. Is like yeah, that's uh, that's what something it is. that you don't it's see. The only purpose for yeah. a MacGuffin is to carry you is to carry the story yes. from scene to scene. Yes. Nice. But I'm glad you brought the, the idea of a, of a MacGuffin not technically existing. But a, pa- a paper that says yeah. MacGuffin and like two gold lights <laughs> to the right. left and right. And and right. An hey, is that what I think it is? Cigarette. Yep. yep. <laughs> Like uh, smoke, and there's all those theories that it's Marcellus Wallace's it's, soul, right, or the right. diamonds from yeah. Reservoir Dogs, or you know whatever. It's never going to be disclosed. Mm-hmm. The closest thing we have in recent cinema is the end of Inception, and even that's yeah. not a true MacGuffin situation. It's just a cliffhanger, right? Yeah, but yeah, that's a McFucking. Yeah, it's a McFucking. <laughs> Actually, I think isn't that what you call when you when you nope. take a a. a McDonald's cheeseburger and put a McChicken a on McGang the inside. That's a McGangbang. Bang. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get that Urban Dictionary. Out <laughs> What's a McFucking? <laughs> anyway, anyway, <laughs> I it's digress. a bad rabbit trail. <laughs> um, you know what? Since we're talking about McDonald's now, uh, I guess it's time for us to talk about food since we're clearly hungry. Mm, um, 
for those of you who are just joining the show for the first time, uh, Rotten Tomatoes got to tomatoes before we did, so we opened up a taco shop called Tacos Tacos Tacos. Tacos Tacos. Yeah, they they beat us to the URL. (laughs) And and we rate all of our movies out of 100 tacos. Systematically, Greg goes first because I like to put him on the spot. Greg, what are your ratings? I've eaten the most tacos in my day. Um, (laughs) So I got to get I have to do this. I have to dive a little bit more. Josh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Tim Roth and Amanda Plummer's opening scene sets the tone. You know what a fan of Tim Roth I am. Mm-hmm. Um, then you you scoop in John Travolta, Samuel Jackson, Bruce Willis, Bing Rames. Like, these characters have never been played by better artists, mm-hmm. I feel like. Um, Steve Buscemi, Steve Christopher Walken, you, know, you got cameos for days. The storyline is great, and it sets. You would think that this movie would be all over at sitting mm-hmm. at two hours. You need more time, mm-hmm. but I'm giving this movie 91 tacos. Really? Um, okay. I think the, the the placement of character and the arc of each one of them, and the storyline that moves and gets you out of your seat and and linking up with the, with the television screen or mm-hmm. the movie screen. I don't think there's a one of the, I don't think there's a better movie out there that is just like shock value with amazing chemistry on cast. Oh, you've never seen The Room. 90, <laughs> 91 Tacos, 91 Tacos. This is a right. fantastic film. Right. You I can, can dig it. You can catch it all. I can dig it. Shasti, what's your take? I'm going 92 Tacos. 92, Ooh. a higher score. Yeah, higher score. Okay, so I think those are the highest rated Tarantino movies we did that you guys did mm-hmm. this summer. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it was Reservoir Dogs. For both of you, it's this one. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, um, we didn't get together. And I think it's it. the next step of evolution. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. I think that, like we said, with all the characters from Reservoir Dogs, the the Mister Pink, Mister Orange, the Mister Color characters mm-hmm. coming from his like childhood and playing with toys. I feel yeah. like this is the next level. Of what we love. It's, it it literally expands. And we the talked universe. about Harvey Keitel just about busting up that, uh, or bumping up the, the, mm-hmm. the funding. For yeah, Reservoir for Reservoir Dog. Dogs. Yeah. Like, like where he's at with this, like he was gonna have Daniel Day Lewis play Vincent Vega, mm-hmm. like, which would have been arguably a disaster, one of the, by the great, way. I'm just saying, arguably one of the, like people would be like, oh, he at the time he's one of the greatest actors mm-hmm. of all time, like. Travolta, it was kind of like people were looking at him like he was crazy. Mm-hmm. They were looking at him like, are we going to trust your genius and your judgment? Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. you know what I mean? He was, well, because he was obsessed, played he was obsessed with characters. Blown Away. That's one yeah. of his Desert Island yeah. movies, like I was showing you before. You know what I mean? In 1980, Travolta hit that no one ever heard about. Mm-hmm. Pretty much got him, Vince Vega, over Daniel Day-Lewis. Mm-hmm. It's just something where, where I feel like Q took so many, so many leaps on his own. Mm-hmm. And... After Reservoir Dogs, he was granted so much more. Like, if people believed in him in the beginning of Reservoir Dogs when it was just a $30,000 budget, before, yeah, fuck right, before right, it was $2 right, million. Right. Dollars, yeah. Now it's like Miramax, right? Yep. So yep. it's like, 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 I'm going to say, imagine how, it, like, Reservoir Dogs, I'm going to say how it could have been, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying he, if he had millions and millions and millions mm-hmm. more dollars to do his creative freedom, and I think he was able to. It's not a big him. budget. Yeah, so it's only eight million. They made two hundred million dollars so on the box mm-hmm. office. That's insane. Chronological bro. order and how he 
breaks everything down and mm-hmm. how the diner scene is technically the, the center of the movie after Marcellus gets yes. his briefcase back. And yeah. the rest of it goes from when yeah. Butch is a kid mm-hmm. to when Butch rides away on, on Zed's motorcycle, I yeah. think is beyond poetry. For, yeah. I would agree. For, I would for agree. directing, and just, and, for and even on poetry, there's so many one-liners in this movie. Like, mm-hmm. Zed's yeah. Zed, baby. You know, there's so much. So it's like the timing so and the there. balance that I keep talking about, I yeah. think it relates to the story of Butch's dad's watch. And I think mm-hmm. the timing is just like an aspect that like, you if, if you can kind of fuck with that mm-hmm. and play God with that, yeah, and, like in creating a movie, it's masterfully done. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. Um, I give this a solid ninety. This is still a top one hundred film, cool. like of all time. Uh, I mean, it, it it showcases what Tarantino can do with a little bit more money and just as much star power. Um, I I think Reservoir Dogs is better, but I do put this like the difference between these movies. Yeah, it's a ninety six to a ninety, but there it, it's a mm-hmm. it's a ch difference. Honestly, yeah, it's a few tweaks in in Pulp Fiction that just didn't land with me mm-hmm. personally that mark the difference that that would have made this the better, and that's film. why we do it. Everybody's yeah. different, and I think I think recognizing that we all put this as a top tier film is important because mm-hmm. because truthfully this is a movie you cannot go through this life without seeing right it will it will change your views on cinema and your understanding of of linear time and you know it opened up a lot of doors for for not only these actors but quentin himself and we talked and, about reservoir dogs being one of his launching pads this one was mm-hmm. truly his launching pad yeah we this talked is about the this budget is, this is his drawback now real step now now he made 200 200 million and mm-hmm. one one move literal now he can yeah. do any budget with any person he wants to and people actually want to be in his films like he's calling people before now they're calling him like hey man yeah i'm gonna do this one you know yeah. we'll get into that later i think but it, yeah we'll, we'll do a director's cut on him absolutely him and robbie um but that said this episode rounds out our series for this summer on Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino. Oh, man, films. it was so much fun. It's over it already. It was such a blast. Jeez. Yeah. So, you, you know, I think we got, uh, I think there's six episodes to this series. So if you want to hop back wherever you listen to your podcast or if you're on the YouTube channel, just scroll down a little bit. Um, take a look at the other movies we've we've reviewed from them. We did uh, both Grindhouse movies, uh, Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs. Uh, we did Four Rooms. You know, it was it was it was a great time. Um, and if you liked this, definitely go back and check those out. Um, if you liked it enough that you're like, hey, those guys deserve money, <laughs> you need to go over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash opinions. There, for as little as $1, you can get everything you got for free and more. Josh, say $1. $1. All right. You can give, you can give us more. It's okay. <laughs> but for as little as $1 a month... You can get exclusive access to our show, The Sip, where typically we will take a historical uh, event or talking point and uh, give it a little bit of backstory and apply it to our day-to-day lives. Um, You'll get early access to all of our shows and episodes. Uh, You'll get exclusive access to uh, pilot episodes that never see the light of day. And uh, you can talk to us directly there, and you can get some exclusive merch. We just teamed up with Patreon for their uh, partnership program, so... Head on over and see what you can get. Uh, we will have an online store here soon. Uh, we're going to be revamping everything. We just uh, changed over some of the logos and got some new designs that we're real excited about. Um, I'm going to throw it on over to Greg himself to tell you about Director's Cut. Some I've been working on uh, exclusively 
within each other's hearts. We love it. Um, we get to dive into directors that have changed the game in film, movies, picture, progress. Absolutely. Check it out. Um, obviously, we're doing maybe some Tarantino mm-hmm. and Robbie Rodriguez here line. in the future. So stick around. we got a lot of good things coming. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, another thing I'm very excited to to point out is Shasti has some stuff to plug. Homeboy, oh what's going on with we you? We got some concerts coming up with a friend of the pod, Moore. You know, more local, local hip-hop musician. First Fozcast guys, guest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's going to be the next Fozcast guest, no. too. So if you guys, anybody's in the Chicago suburbs area, on uh, July 17th, playing in Woodstock at Ethereal, right by Liquid Blues there. Mm-hmm. Uh, August 13th at Brower House in Lombard, and the 21st at Fast and Loud Fest in Cambria, Wisconsin. Camping Fest. Neighbor Wisco, Wisco. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, stay tuned for that, though. We're going to show some, we're gonna, uh, show some music. Good stuff, tonight, man. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, folks. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Greg, Shasti, as always, thank you for being here. I couldn't do it without you. Thanks, guys. We talked about that on a SIP episode. You should head up to Patreon. For everybody, patrons and casual listeners, I'd like to say I see you, I hear you, I love you, and we would all like to I say goddamn. Say bye. <laughs>